All right, all right. I have another shitty, cheesy opening for you guys. You ready? I guess. No. Bring it on. Mike's up on Bomb Squad Podcast, up at the break of day. I wake up, but I got this little cast I need to record today. Pop up, Discord up at the crack of dong, saying why I joined the calling. Hey, y'all, good morning. Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. Hi, I'm Austin Zwiebelman. Hi, I'm Tim M. Sullivan. I'm Rain, I guess. And uh, if you couldn't tell by my uh, borderline cultural appropriation rapping, today we are talking about In the Heights, which I'm super fucking pumped to talk about. Who's excited? Yeah. Woo! Rain does not give a shit. <laughs> no, I am very excited. I can't show it for some reason. <laughs> Rain is currently undergoing a clockwork orange type thing right now, so... What if he's um, uh, what if he's like a vampire where they don't show up on mirrors? He's being very excited in his room, but it can't show up on camera. <laughs> <laughs> he can show up, just not his emotions. It would explain so much. Before we really dive deep into in the heights, I figured we'd be doing ourselves a disservice because this might be our only chance to talk about some of this stuff. How familiar are you guys with Lin Manuel Miranda's previous work, or if you've seen the Broadway version of this show, yada yada yada? Uh, nothing. This is my first Lin-Manuel Miranda thing ever. I know Hamilton exists. That's about it. I know he, he he's almost got an EGOT. E- e- what's the term called? EGOT. Yeah, EGOT. He's almost EGOT. Uh, he just needs the uh, Oscar, I think. Yeah, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. He's a special case because if he wins, he'll be a Mac PGOT. Oh, okay. MacArthur's Grant, Pulitzer Prize... Oscar, yeah. Grammy, Emmy, Tony. That sounds like something you go to jail for, being a Mac Pigot. <laughs> what, what are you in for? Shit, man, I'm a Mac Pigot. Oh, fuck. But yeah, that's literally the only thing I know about him. Or, I mean, that's literally my only uh, experience with him is is nothing in this musical. Tim. Tanner. <laughs> Timothy, what is, what is your wisdom? None. No, no experience. No. Uh, this is a great opening question, guys. <laughs> Just gonna blow. Uh, Austin, please save me. All right, make way, make way. I used to be a theater kid. I have a husband. Get out of here. All right. Oh, fuck. Uh, I was there in 2020, along with everybody else, when Disney Plus dropped that live recording of Hamilton. Now, at that point, I've been hearing about Hamilton for five years. I knew it as the show where you had to kill God to get tickets to the show. These things were going for like 300 apiece. It's weird because I was thrown off guard because a lot of the literary critics I trust and culture critics I trust who review actual masterpieces like famous books, famous movies, little indie things nobody's heard about that are great. They were calling this a masterpiece and a revolution and a big deal for five years. And so in the middle of a pandemic when the whole country's in need and everybody's feeling bad and we're starved for entertainment, Hamilton comes out on Disney Plus. And I'm like, wow, the whole fucking week I was like building up to this. Me and my husband, we're going to sit down and watch the musical you have to pay $3 million to see live in our living rooms. And um, I thought it was a weirdly optimistic hip hop portrayal of the dudes who went on to genocide the natives and then do slavery. Um... It was also at the time of the 2020 election, so there was this weird uh, sort of uh, cultural solidarity thing going on where we all had to, like, unite under the sort of, um, there was, like, a a life-or-death push that we needed the right-of-center hip-hop jingoism or we were all gonna die. 
I can, fortunately, we're recording this in 2021. So now that we're back to the neoliberal side of the plutocracy and the fascists are just sitting around in the judiciary destroying shit quietly, I could say that um, Hamilton was kind of a bougie caricature that felt like kids bop for affluent people who don't know much about history or rap. And I thought the live recording sucked because I bet live that's a lot of fun, but it felt bad that um, that got released first because of the pandemic, because it didn't really, you know, it's this huge production and I would have preferred it was a proper movie instead of this goofy little recording of three shows. And worse yet, on Disney Plus, they omitted the curse words, which made this feel like, you know, as far as historic musicals go, everybody calling this revolutionary, it felt like when people say, say that Star Wars is revolutionary sci-fi. I didn't believe people were being genuine when they were talking about how good Hamilton was. All I could say that was positive about Hamilton was the singing's great because it has Broadway people in it, and it made me cry once when, you know, that thing happens to Alexander Hamilton's kid, which is good. You know, not every musical makes me cry. Other than that, I haven't seen Moana, so I don't know about that. I haven't seen any of the show, shows Lin-Manuel's been on. So that's the most of my experience with Hamilton is getting railed on in 2020 for not liking it that much. And uh, this now coming out of that. I guess I'll go next. You haven't seen Moana? What the fuck? <laughs> Fix that shit ASAP, dog. That was my favorite Disney movie of 2016. I liked it more than... Uh, I liked it more than some cops are good. I mean, Zootopia. Anyway, um, um, I am completely against the grain on Austin here. I do think Hamilton is a fucking masterpiece. I understand the critiques people have of it, of course, and I do understand it's a bit frustrating to see people that had historically oppressed people of color be celebrated by people of color. I understand why some people have a weird thing with that. Uh, I'm white, so I'm not going to get into that too much. But either way... (laughs) um, I enjoyed Hamilton the right way. I was on uh, the hell site known as Tumblr Dak Cam back in 2015. And let me tell you, those SJWs wouldn't shut the fuck up about Hamilton. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what the fuck I was looking at. Every time I would see gifts of it and shit, I'd be like, what is this? I don't understand. And then one day in January of 2016, I decided to start listening to it on Apple Music. And that's the day I stopped using Apple Music because it was in the wrong order. <laughs> So then I moved on to Spotify, or no, not Spotify, Google Play Music. I started listening to it on Google Play Music. The interesting thing about Hamilton is that basically the entire musical is in the soundtrack because there are no dialogue moments. There are dialogue moments, sure, that quickly go back to rapity rap, rap, rap. It is nonstop, which is also a song on the soundtrack. I fell in love. I sobbed several times listening to Hamilton. What, uh, Alexander Hamilton's kid, uh, the thing happens to... Spoilers for history. Alexander Hamilton's kid is dead. Surprise. I'm sorry you had to find out this way. What? (laughs) Okay, actually, this is a fun aside. I remember when I was uh, first coming out of listening to Hamilton for the first time. I went to my friend and went, wow, this is so good. Hamilton was just genius. And I said these words that I am still being made fun of to this day. If Aaron Bird didn't shoot Alexander Hamilton, he'd still be alive today. I have never stopped hearing shit for saying that. I, there are people from high school I haven't seen in years. That's I ran. I did ask a couple weeks ago. I ran into someone at the grocery store. I was like, hey, you from high school? And I was like, hey, you. Didn't you say Alexander Hamilton would still be alive today? I wanted to die. I have never lived this down. 
Hamilton to me was a absolute masterpiece. I felt such emotion just listening to it. A few, uh, I want to say 2019, April 2019, there was a huge, gigantic rush because Hamilton was coming to the fabulous Fox Theater, which is this wonderful theater that all the traveling shows in St. Louis go to. That is our, we have the Muni, but the, the Muni's great too, but they have free seats, which is nice. Hamilton ain't going to someplace that got free seats. Those free seats would have a line all the way up out of Forest Park up to the Art Museum. Swear to God, the lines would be that long to free seats for Hamilton. So I saw, got to see it at the fabulous Fox Theater. I got to see Hamilton live. Now with the original Broadway cast, of course, but it's still a talented cast of Broadway people. And the person who played Alexander Hamilton on that tour plays him on Broadway now. He's the guy that plays him on Broadway. So I see, I got to see the guy that sings better than Lin-Manuel Miranda, because let's be honest, Lin-Manuel Miranda is not that strong of a singer relative to a lot of his peers. He's okay, he's just not Broadway. Yeah, he's okay, he's just not Broadway. That is the perfect way of putting it. Is he way better than me? Yes. You put him next to a bunch of Broadway singers, he sounds like a fucking kindergartner. I'm getting all fucking up my own artsy, liberal bullshit art ass. But anyway, I got to see Hamilton live on the stage, which was the right way to see it. I still haven't seen the Disney Plus recording. We were going to do it for a podcast long ago before, before back in the Empire days. But that never came to fruition because I kept dragging my feet on watching Hamilton on Disney Plus because I was scared back then. I still am because for some reason I was like, what if it's not as magical as seeing it live? Is that going to ruin it for me? So I still haven't seen it to this day. Um, so what you're saying is the, my first experience with Hamilton should definitely be Disney Plus. Uh, yes. Uh, I want you to hate me um, more than you already do. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, I what else uh, really can I say? Moana is an absolute masterpiece. His songwriting and that is incredible. Lin-Manuel Miranda is politics aside. He's a genius artistically. He is a brilliant songwriter and he's a brilliant playwright. He deserves all of his awards genuinely. So needless to say, my expectations and hype for I try to keep things in check. My expectations, the hype for In the Heights was off the fucking charts. I remember seeing that trailer in 2019 and immediately went, that's going to be my favorite movie of 2020. And God said, bitch, you thought, let me, let me release Plague 2.0. I'm going to release Plague 2.0 called COVID-19 on your ass. And you ain't going to see shit in 2020. Your favorite movie of 2020 is going to be Soul and you're going to like it. And I said, yes, Lord. Good God, I'm going to hell. Anyway, um... I have a lot to say, so I want to save myself for last when it comes to what we thought about In the Heights, but I know at least one other person here absolutely adored In the Heights. Mr. Conversi, please, right. go nuts. What did you well, think you, of In the Heights? Well, you, you mentioned uh, your expectations going in. I will mention mine. I um, I like musicals. I don't love them. Like They're what they are. I have, um, mainly I, have, I don't have too much experience with them. Uh, relative to other genres. I came into this basically, it's actually funny. Um, one, one thing that really helped um, my expectations going in was uh, seeing the trailer for In the Heights back to back with the trailer for um, West Side Story. The West Side Story remake. Just seeing, just seeing like Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And it doesn't look bad necessarily, but the, but the In the Heights just looks like a more vibrant, lively version of that somehow. I don't know how, but it did. So that helped. And then just like it just looked like a very um, fun, exciting musical in general. Um, I knew Lin-Manuel 
Lynn Lynn Man was attached. I had um, saw nothing from him, but I knew he was a big deal, so that probably helped a bit, at least subconsciously. And then I came in watching it, and I had a delightful time. It was um, just a joy to see. I don't know where to start. Like, there's just so much. Like, it's just like a lot of fun, and all the songs were good. I um, every performance was great. Amazing casting. I will say, I'm trying to think of like things that aren't just general. Like, oh, that's good. Ooh, that was good. That was good. Something like. I guess something of note that I think is interesting is that as far as uh, depictions of like working class life, I think this might be like, this is like some gold standard stuff. I think a lot of movies, a lot of movies I even love um, where it depicts poverty. Like I feel like it just, it uh, reaches in the territory of like poverty porn where it treats the subjects more like zoo animals or, or exhibits that does uh, three dimensional people with uh, lives and stuff. I thought this movie did an amazing job of showing struggles of um, working class life while at the same time not, I don't know, not objectifying them. I'm trying to find like the the most concise way of putting it, or at least the most accurate way of articulating it. Well, Rain, I understand why it's hard to say, as you are Lin-Manuel Miranda's father, so I understand how much pride you much feel right now. Tim, from what I understand, musicals are not really your bag. You're not super into musicals, so... I am very curious to just hear your overall thoughts on this one. I kind of went into this a little bit in the uh, Atlantis podcast. Uh, yeah, like musicals just have not really ever been something I've been super into. Like there, there's some musicals that I like. That like there's a couple of the musical Disney movies that I enjoy. The animated ones, and like I like Steven Universe. Um, I like Sweeney Todd. I mean, there's there's some musical stuff like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas has always been a favorite of mine. The VHS of uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol is an all time favorite. Uh, I, I still own that tape to this day. And that's that's one of the few times where I like really appreciate it for the music. A lot of times in my experience, the music is kind of just something that's there and I'm more into it for the story, I guess. Yeah, like musical numbers just aren't really a thing that I've ever been super big into. But I, I figured I'll, I'll give I'll give something different a chance. I'm open-minded, so I kind of went into this with not, not really knowing much of anything about it. And uh, my my viewing experience was interesting. So I had purchased the ticket to see this at the high point, which right now, until the Alamo Draft House gets built in Missouri, the high point is pretty much the last remaining cool movie theater in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. Sadly, so yeah, I was excited to see something at the high point, so it was an excuse to do that. Um, and then a videography gig fell into my lap at the last minute, and that was a Thursday-Friday thing. And um, looking at the time, I realized, oh, this ends at 7, and my show's at 7, so I'm going to be a little late. So I started watching like the first 35 minutes on HBO Max before I left for the gig for the gig and then so I'm doing this 
gig and it's a uh, girls soccer videography thing. So we have it at one location and the one location is just one game. So we do the game and then we have a long break until the next game starts. And like the next three games are all in this different location. And the first teams to play are a little late. So I'm just kind of sitting there fucking around waiting for these teams to come. And then they all just kind of shotgun one after the other. And it's like 40 minutes of each team. So the last game ends at like 7.25. So I have to... I have to pack all the shit up and get it to the car and then go to my car. And then I have like a 20 plus minute drive to the theater. So I'm getting to the high point at like 7.55 and I go up to the guy at the front desk and I'm just like, hey, I have a, I have a thing for a movie. He's like, but what the one playing right now? You go, go in. It's been on for an hour. Uh, <laughs> so I had stopped the watching H- on HBO Max right after the scene in the barbershop. And then I come in right in the middle of the 96,000 bit. No! So there's like a There's like a fair bit of context that I missed in the middle there. And then I had to watch that later. <laughs> the machete cut of In the Heights. That's so oh. weird. <laughs> what do you think of the movie, though? I mean, uh, yeah, I forgot to get to that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> like, like I was saying, it, it's, it wasn't something I was really expecting to be super into because it's just outside of generally my thing. But I do think that it had a lot of stuff going for it that I could appreciate. I think in the third act, it really came together for me personally. Like the first two acts, like there's some solid character build up. But yeah, it's it's just kind of whatever for me. And then like that last third act is where it really got pretty good, I guess I would say. So that's that's about all I have. I love Tim here. What it's been, I'm going to tell you all about how I watched this movie. Oh, what I think of it? Good. Good. Austin, I have no idea what you feel about this other than I believe you thought the mannequin head turning was cool. So that's all I know about what I know you know of what you think of. Am I having a stroke? Um, Austin, what did you think of In the Heights? It's a big, slick musical that has homages to older musicals in it that are very good. The dancing on the ceiling bit from that one thing, the Bubsy Berkeley dance in the water. And compared to the Disney Plus live recording of Hamilton, this felt like Citizen Kane. It was so (laughs) nice. Seeing one of this dude's musicals get the proper fucking treatment a movie musical gets. Oh my God, you got so fucked by COVID. Like, it was, oh, okay, so there's, um, now it's like macro scale things. So did any of you see If Beale Street Could Talk, the Barry Jenkins film? Yes, that is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen, just visually. Afraid not. Do you remember the dinner sequence in If Beale Street Could Talk? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, so one thing I found to be sort of funky about this movie was it was like a disney version of this story. 
because Hamilton literally came out on Disney. You know, how many times do you see revolutionary hip hop come to Disney? I forgot they released Pimp a Butterfly. I forgot they released D'Angelo's Black Messiah. Disney is great at revolutionary hip hop. So one thing if Beale Street Could Talk did was it had characters in the community who had bad views so that the main characters could have victories over them and pwn them. You know, it, it had that sort of extra layer to the drama where some of the old people or some of the young people had things wrong with the way they thought about the world so they could get owned. And this didn't have very much of that. You had Nina's dad who really wanted her to keep going to college. And I was like, man, if they actually have this girl like drop out and show her dad that there's a different life path, that's going to be cool. Nope, that's not what went down. So there was like a, a dimension to the drama that I thought was sort of lacking and that everyone sort of had this like strange utopian. They were all just one little dot moving at the dream in the future. And there was no sort of friction or anything about that. I also thought it was funny that the block is disappearing because of gentrification, right? That's the, the starts of the premise of the film with the, on the island. He tells the kids the block is disappearing. Mm-hmm. And then there are people in the musical who help make the block disappear who sell their shit and move and they are celebrated within the movie there is just a sort of little bit of like you know what let let's hang out this is this is great we're still going we're still moving and i was like okay i guess it's cool that you you know that makes you snobby at the end uh the the guy who breaks the cycle and actually decides to stay i just thought it was like strange i was like all right is there actually like a feeling of needing more cohesion here because i i, I don't know i got mixed messages because what I felt was Lin-Manuel Miranda is like so obsessed with people having dreams and the, the beauty of watching people pursue dreams that he is a writer. Because I get it. This play was like first came out in 1999 or got revised, came out on Broadway in 2008. He started and ended the Obama administration with his stuff. But what I want Lin-Manuel Miranda to do in the future so I can enjoy his shit like super hard. Like, the first musical that guy ever saw on Broadway was Les Mis, and I want him to release a Les Mis. I want him to stop thinking about it's beautiful that people have dreams and start thinking about, like, the bigger stuff that creates those circumstances where they are stuck there. I want him to talk about bigger things other than a bunch of tiny stories of people being like, oh, yeah, we need money, but we don't have money. Talk about why. Why is the immigration process so fucked up? Just have a little bit more on top of it, you know? Because he's trying to be this political guy. He's getting fucking hamstringed in the media for not casting enough Afro-Latin people in this movie. He wants to be a political entity. So write bigger musicals, man. This was adorable and great for a first-time musical. I really loved the director's everything he did, and the production was very good. I just want something more out of Lin-Manuel Miranda in the future. And I'm so happy I finally got to properly see a musical of his adapted. But I have dreams that he can grow beyond this phase. It was strange watching the movie with that weight on top of it the whole time. It's like his freshman effort, and he's already so big in the entertainment industry. I liked it, but I had things, like, on a macro level that I want to be improved in the future because it it just still felt like a very basic drama as far as the story goes. Austin, I'm about to blow your fucking mind. What? So, uh, a lot of the things you're talking about, like the struggles and how you get there, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. A lot of that's present in the Broadway version. What? Fun fact. Usnavi finds out he won the lottery at the end of the first act in the Broadway version. Right. Not the ending. There's a whole second act of the musical they go through after learning that. Ah. 
they really heavily restructured the story for a couple of reasons. One, they actually wanted to add a couple of social issues, specifically Dreamer stuff, not present in the original Broadway version. It dealt with the social issues a little better in the original Broadway version, from what I understand. This is from my not as much research into the original Broadway version as I would have liked to have done. Here's what happened. I wanted to research it, and then I wound up just watching the first eight minutes they released on YouTube over and over again. Oops. The woman who wrote the screenplay is the person who wrote the book the musical's based off of. Yeah crazy because i don't think she's written a movie before okay anyway uh my thoughts on in the heights oh my god where do i start holy shit um every year at least one movie if not a few movies every year at least a few movies come out that remind you why you fell in love with movies in the first place to me in the heights was that Every year, there's a movie that's special that makes me remember why I love these movies. Soul in 2020, Marriage Story and Won't You, uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood in 2019. In 2018, it was Spider-Verse and Thunder Road and Black Klansman. Every year, there's just these movies that are slick, that use the visual language of film so incredibly well that makes you remember, this is why I fucking love this shit. There's just a few shots in the opening number of this movie that I adore and I want to watch over and over and over again. Just for an example, when uh, Vanessa gets that uh, uh, soda or whatever out of the fridge in that opening number and you see Uznavi, Benny, and Sonny in the reflection, I love that shot. Later on, just a few a minute, or, a minute later even, when Anthony Ramos is going, yeah, my street light chain to the, you know, and it's like in the mirror and you see the people dancing outside. It's clearly two different shots, but it works so effectively as it zooms in on him and you see the people zooming out. Or what about when he goes outside and he's like, we will not stop. This is our block. And he's dancing with all of everyone. And then the last shot of that number where it starts as this big wide and then it cranes in, it cranes in through Two dancers to become a close-up on Uznavi. That shit. I watched that shot over and over and over again. I've had to have seen that shot at least a hundred times. I fucking love that shot. It's such a simple shot, but it's executed so well. The use of color in this movie. I love how bursting at the seams it is with colors. It's it's so hard. The performances are all impeccable. There are some people being like, oh, there are some corny lines. Yeah, life's corny. Fuck you. I don't care. There's so much. It's just celebrate. It's brimming with life. Color. The tell me something I don't know scene in the mannequins move with the mannequins head moves like the like follow the action. And then Nina's like, hey, I dropped out of college. And then the mannequins are like, oh, fuck this shit. We're going back to where we were. And. They return to return to Oz is what you're saying. Yeah, they return to Oz. And then, um, oh, God, uh, there's so much. I, I know I give out a lot of five stars out of five stars. Not all five stars are equal in my mind. I know that sounds incredibly stupid, but I'm stupid, so it's okay. Like, for example, I've given another movie this year, A Quiet Place Part 2. I gave that movie five stars. I give this movie five stars. But if I could, I'd give this movie six stars. It's extra special. It's this extra oomph to me. And I know that seems insane for scaling reasons, but it makes sense in my head. I probably sound like a crazy person right now, and I'm sorry if I do. Uh, I'm just really excited. I love, love this movie. I, uh, it's so, it's so amazing, wonderful, magical. It's everything you fucking want. It was two and a half hours. I could not believe it was two and a half hours. I thought 90 minutes passed when I exited the theater. It's paced so impeccably crazy well. Oh, crazy well, Miranda. And then, um, 
That's a bad joke. Oh my god. I love Anthony Ramos. That man's gonna be a fucking star. It'd be a crime if he wouldn't, if he doesn't. That guy is so fucking talented. Holy shit. Oh my god, everyone in this movie, Jimmy Smith, my boy Jimmy fucking Smith, Senator Bail Organa from Star Wars. He plays Nina's dad. Yeah, baby! Yeah! That's the second one you go to is Jimmy Smith. <laughs> I love Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith is awesome. Oh, oh my God. Vanessa, I love Vanessa. Benny. Benny, Benny, Dr. Dre and uh, Dr. Dre out of uh, Straight Outta Compton. That's who he plays in that movie. Holy shit. Oh my God. When he comes in, it's like, you still ain't got no skills. <laughs> I fucking love that shit. And he's like, oh, oh, and the little scene and like that scene after the blackout happens. And he's like being like, I gotta, I gotta help my people. I gotta help my block. I, you are, I understand your criticism for me, but for me, I love this shit. I love it when it's just a bunch of little stories that interconnect in this beautifully trapeze. So that, that's not how you say that word. I don't care. Oh my God. And the sequence with Oblayla, Oblayla who talked about how she always took the hard way out. She always took the hard way out, right? And then when she finally goes on past into the nether life, she has the choice of taking the ramp up or the stairs up, and she still takes the stairs up. Even when she's dying, she takes the harder way. It's, 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 ah! Sorry. You liked it. I fucking love this movie, man. I fucking love this movie. Holy shit. It's so fucking good and the end where they revealed that it wasn't an island at all it was just the corner shop I love that shit he stayed there this is our block ah! this is Tanner's block this is Tanner's block <laughs> this is that's my what blog. they said tumblr.com this is my blog <laughs> yeah they were the flag all the the scene where they were waving all the flags it was just different uh, flags of Tanner's face that's what Tanner just said I am Puerto Rico <laughs> Do you mean Dominican Republic? I am I am the Caribbean. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, I'm I know I ranted like an insane man there. It's good. Uh Rain. Yes. Let's move on to the next talking point so I don't exhaust myself. Alright, actually oh. I had one more thing to say. Go um, ahead, go ahead, about. go ahead. One more thing to gush about, actually, um, that I remembered. So normally um, what musicals I have like in the past, it's ones that really just embrace like just like the fantasy and just the like just the craziness of like people just randomly going into song and just like just like, oh, wait, that's weird. But let's just go all weird about it. But this is the first musical I saw that I appreciate where it really um, where there's the contrast between um, normal everyday life, um, everyday struggles and these fantastical musical numbers where we just we're now we're just walking on the um on the roof or on the wall and oh everyone's just uh fantasizing about all this money stuff like that wait why are these why are these talking magan heads from return of oz i know i already made that reference again but i love that movie and i love this movie so i'm gonna reference it again yeah it's just a good time and i actually to uh on austin's point i actually um i don't know if i agree with the um i do i agree i disagree about the gentrification on the one hand, I think it's odd that like they bring it, they bring it up, but not enough. I don't know, like they touch on it. Like there's even that bit with um with Abuela where she's trying to sell her um hand knits um the napkins she's trying the dish rag she's trying to wash. She's trying, yeah, she's trying. Oh yeah, she's not trying to sell them. She's trying to get them washed, and 
to this newcomer guy, um, she even at the end of the scene, she says, oh, welcome to the neighborhood. Like, this is, I thought the scene was implying this is, like, some new um, upscale dry cleaner place that um, doesn't really understand the culture, doesn't understand uh, the community. Just an example of, like, sort of touching on, but not really touching on enough, it seems like. But something I think is, uh, you are saying how you thought that they they portrayed um, people leaving the community, um, selling selling their um, selling their stores, like, as a good thing, but I didn't touch on that. I didn't get that at all, because every example I can think of of a character selling their store, like, it is, this is, like, this is an unambiguously bad thing. Like, when Senator Organa sold half of his store, or just half of his uh, building block, her daughter is is super sad by this. Um, everyone's, you know, all of her, his employees are like, oh, they don't talk about it, but you can tell that they're upset. And then when he actually sells the rest of his store, it's a huge uh, negative point in the story. There could be a, I'm going to be honest, there could be a character I'm forgetting who also sells property and it's portrayed as a good thing because it, uh, but... Um, the, the hair salon people. Oh, yeah, you're you're right. All right. So actually, you know what? That is weird. You got, you got that. That is weird. Uh, Rain, what was your favorite song? Um, so I'm a simple man. I like, I like, my monkey brain likes music I can run to where I can pretend I am a cool guy too. And so just exciting chest thumping stuff. So I gotta say, uh, 96,000. Like that really delivers that. There's a lot of oomphs in that. The musical number is just so intense and exciting. Um, they really just, um, um, and every time I'd be like musical numbers more because I'm just like appreciating, um, the, the human body more, just like using it as a, um, just as like a visual piece, like just seeing this, all these people, all these the dancing, and like how just able to add energy to it, and then the use of wires splashing, just just all these elements coming together. I think it's just amazing, like how they're able to. It's just a great display of energy, and then which makes it all the funnier at the end. May not funny is the right word, but just like when all pops, it's like oh, no one won, as far as we can tell. Yes. Um, so that's my answer. Also, uh, with the honorable mention to the uh, opening number. We're both great picks. Tim, do you have a favorite song of all, at all, Annie? I guess I would say uh, out of the numbers in this one, my favorite one's probably Paciencia Fe. Um, I, I thought that that was a really oh, yeah. powerful moment just as a whole, and it played into a more kind of surreal look into the film, which I thought I appreciated that. It was less straightforward and more just like her seeing her life and uh, seeing the light and uh, as, as someone who's made a film about myself dying, uh, I appreciate when people die in films uh, I, I, I don't know Put I don't that know on a what, fucking t-shirt <laughs> I don't know where I, like I was it, going with that I like um, it when the people die <laughs> God <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was that was a really powerful scene as a whole, um, and yeah, I, I thought that was a really good moment in the film. Yeah. All right, Austin. I'm I'm taking a picture um, with my phone of my notes, so y'all can know I'm not lying. I'll put it in the podcast. I have it in my notes. Uh, Ninety six thousand was the big. They throw a lot of money at this song, and this looks the coolest with a special shout out to In the Heights because it had the lyric that sticks in my head a lot when, uh, you know, Vanessa is singing to Mr. Johnson on the phone. That got stuck mm-hmm. in my head more than anything else in the film. Mr. Johnson, I got the security deposit. It's locked in a box in the bottom of a closet. And then the big mention to Paciencia Yife, 
because that song reminded me, same thing that stuck out in Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda can make me cry. He holds that sacred theater thing that can make me swell up with emotions, which is my biggest driving force for why I want him to write better musicals and graduate from Disney school. Because, oh my God, the Paciencia and Faith sequence was so powerful and out of nowhere. I loved that whole number, that story, the fact she's one person in a long line of generations who all share the same dream and are working for it over time. That was so beautiful. And I feel like I just copied off of you two. But I'll post the picture. So I'll provide proof. <laughs> I wrote that down before this thing even started. I didn't copy your own work. Tanner. Okay, 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 fine. Tim... Tim and I have to to we have to come clean. We we copied your notes. We got. I took, I we took broke some into of your, your house. Took, yeah, we we split them I, in half. I didn't even watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of us did. We're just copying you, Austin. Sorry. Actually, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm a kidding. writer for Breitbart. I didn't watch the movie either. <laughs> oh God, not again. Um. Anyway, uh, I have long hair. What the fuck? Anyway, um. I've been agonizing. When I first came out of the musical, I went, I know what my favorites are. And then as I started to think about it more, I was like, God damn it, I love all of these so much. But I think I've narrowed it down. My favorite song, not number, because I think that's a different question. My favorite song in the movie is Breathe. Okay. When Nina's going to see her father and she's talking about the expectations of an entire town being put on her as the one who got out, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. So that resonated with me in a way I didn't expect. It's a completely different set of experiences, but that idea of you have a whole lineage looking up to you, counting on you. It's beautiful. And I cried in the theater when I saw it and fuck, what the hell? (laughs) And you're crying now. It took 21 episodes, but I'm finally fucking crying on the podcast. I'm shocked it took 21 episodes, actually. (laughs) How did I not cry already? Um, We did. Didn't you cry in the Treasure Planet one? Yeah, but that was 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 just audio. No, he doesn't care. You're thinking of our Boss Baby episode. That's when he uh, first one. The unreleased Boss Baby episode. I cried the entire time. Um, Just breathe. Just the idea of having to like tell someone news that you know will let them down is uh, really powerful and resonant with me. I do want to shout out a couple others. Uh, Pasty Faith is, of course, a powerful moment that I really thought used the fantasy element of dying fever dream really well. Uh, just right after that, when they're all holding the candles and they're singing, oh, I forgot what they're singing. Alabanza. Alabanza. I thought that was really amazing. 96,000 is the big bombastic explosive. Whoa! You know, I wanted to especially shout that out. Every frame of that sequence is fucking eye candy. Mm -hmm. I want to frame every frame in my apartment. It's beautiful to look at for me. I fucking love the way it looks. In the Heights, of course, there are those shots I was talking about earlier that I can't get out of my head. Um, The closing number. I thought was just really cute about and how it's like him and Vanessa and there's mm-hmm. the fire hydrants like Benny was talking about. Just let me listen to my block. I it's hard to narrow it down, but breathe is my favorite song. Ninety six thousand is my favorite musical number in the show, though. Uh, Rain, what is your favorite character in the show? Favorite character, uh, gotta be Lee because I'm boring. Least favorite character as a special is uh, his cousin because 
because I when I worked at Family Dollar, I dealt with the annoying kid who came in all the time who looked just like him, same <laughs> like super skinny, uh, went through Grossberg overnight sort of look, same uh, fashion. So uh, there you go. This is racism, Tim. What is your favorite character? I think the oh, hey, hey, the kid I'm thinking of. Hold on, I'm not a racist. I'm Italian. The kid I'm thinking of is white. He just had same exact thing. He's same. He, it's the lankiness. It's the lankiness and the fashion. All right, thin phobic Tim. Well, who's your favorite character? Uh, I think I think I would just say because this character helped to really bring the third act. Uh, to, to make it more impactful for me, I guess I would say Sunny, just because, like, um, the... What? <laughs> it's just funny, Rain, my least favorite character is Sunny. Tim, my favorite character is Sunny. Yeah, that's that's fair. But yeah, I, I just think that uh, when they portrayed him with the whole DACA situation, that kind of helped really bring the third act in for the mm-hmm. sticking point for me. All right, Austin. Uh, All right, I'm taking another Austin picture favorite. of my notes so that this doesn't seem. Oh my strange. god! Um, Sunny, Sunny's my favorite character because uh, <laughs> he's not bitch made like Usnavi. He's following in Usnavi's footsteps, and he's not going to be a punk like him. He's not a simp. He can talk. He can look a woman in the eyes and ask her out. <laughs> Sunny has balls of steel. Uznavi has balls of balls. Sonny's an activist. Sonny is smooth. Sonny is everything that Uznavi could be. And uh, I'm so fucking proud of him. Sonny rules. Well, I'm a loser, so I have to support other losers like Uznavi. I I can't fucking believe what I'm about to say, but I almost don't want to say it now. I was going to say Sonny, but I really don't want to say it now. Uh... Sonny, uh, to me, it's just like, yeah, every, I love this kid. Why isn't he the lead? But I also love his Uznavi. I think he's great. I love all the characters in it. So I want to shout out some of those characters none of you guys have mentioned. Uh, Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I forget the character's name, but the character she plays is really good. I love her. She's one of the salon ladies. I love the salon ladies in general. Abuela. Oh, Abuela. I love her. I'm just going to call him Jimmy Smith. I forget his ca- Kevin Rosario. Uh, Jimmy Smith's character. I love dads. Dads rock, baby! There we go. We got another one. Thanks to the island framing device, this whole movie is actually a big dads rock. Dads rock, baby! That's the new name That's of the true. movie. Replace In the Heights with, like, In the is dads rock, and then Heights is just baby! <laughs> All right, other honorable mentions. I said, I said Jimmy Smith's character. Uh, Vanessa, I love Benny. Benny? Benny might be my second. I love Benny. Oh, Benny wait, no. Rules. Benny's my actual answer. Benny's my actual answer. Benny's good. <laughs> Rain, hold on. Hold on. I need to not be a basic bitch. 100% because of the uh, the uh, phone scene where he's like, oh, the power outage, all that stuff. I got to help my block, even though I don't have a fucking job tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. I have yeah. to help. That's yeah. a powerful moment yeah. to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Everything with the blackout is beautiful. Okay, okay. We cannot stop. Tanner's Trivia Corner. All right, here we go. Who's ready for some trivia? All right, Captain. Sure. So, uh, fun fact, Jimmy Smits was apparently one of the first people to support In the Heights when it was off-Broadway, before it made its Broadway debut, before the musical was adapted to screen. He was asked to do a voiceover for a TV ad for the Broadway thing. He refused to accept payment. He just wanted house seats. He refused payment that time. Yeah. Uh, The 96,000 sequence was supposed to take two days to film. It was only supposed to take two days to film. It took him three because of undesirable weather conditions. Oh, we know that feeling. Not because it was too hot, 
but because there was thunder and lightning and a lot of rain. Yeah, that happens. Which makes that my, my, that seems even more mind blowing. Uh, shout out to uh, George Washington, uh, who plays uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, enemy, Mister Softy or whatever. A uh, fun fact: Christopher Washington on Hamilton plays Benny on Broadway and In the Heights. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda is the Piagua guy who plays the ice, you know, thing. But you don't say. And the ice cream truck owner is uh, played by Christopher Jackson. Is his name? I found out there was an after credit scene for this movie after I saw it in theaters, and I was so upset I missed it. It's just a Piagua reprise. We're like, <laughs> we're, we're the ice cream trucks guys. His truck breaks down, and all the guys go up to Lin Manuel Miranda's ice truck, and he says, "Piagua." Piagua, 125, Piagua, 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 slaps a cardboard sticker, 225, Piagua. <laughs> he raises the price because it's getting popular. It's funny. Neoliberal bullshit. Mark Anthony, who is a uh, well-respected actor, he appears in this scene as Sonny's father. He's like the only major character that doesn't sing. He wasn't even in the Broadway show because, again, the DACA stuff didn't exist in the Broadway version. Originally, the Piagua guy was going to be cut out of the show, which broke, quote, Lin-Manuel Miranda's heart because him and Mr. Softy has this cute rivalry that's like the most working class thing ever. And he was sad mm-hmm. that was going to get cut. And then he was like, what if I played it? Universal, uh, Universal or whatever. I was like, all right, we'll let it stay. <laughs> this movie was first announced in November of 2008. Uh, originally, it was going to become sitting filming in 2011. Kenny Ortega was going to be filming it. Do you guys know who Kenny Ortega is? The director of High School Musical. Yes, High School Musical. Get your head in the game. But it got canceled, and it took them so long to get it back on the thing. John M. Chu, who directed one of my favorite movies of 2018, Crazy Rich Asians. He's a wonderful director. How the fuck did he go from uh, the Step Up sequels and Justin Bieber documentaries to this? I do not know. Yeah, biggest directorial glow up. We love it, and I think he's an incredible talent. Uh, those photos Anthony Ramos is holding when he's like going through like the destruction of his his father's bar. Those are just photos they took of Hurricane Maria. Oh, <laughs> Austin got all wide eyed when I said that. Um, the woman who wrote the screenplay for this, like I mentioned earlier, wrote the book. She's also a Pulitzer Prize winner. Oh, um, just days before they started filming this movie, Lynn Daniel Miranda and the screenwriter attended a high school production of the play at George Washington Educational Campus in Washington Heights, which was the first time this play, this musical was performed in Washington Heights. Uh, did you guys notice that when uh, Kevin's on hold with uh, Stanford, when he's on hold with Stanford, the music that's playing? No. You'll be back. Time will tell. It's uh, King, it's King, King George. George's Melody. It's the King George song. Listen to that. I can't. I guarantee you. There's some gay shit in this movie. There's some gay shit. Two of the salon ladies, the main one and Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you can see them in the opening number, they kiss. And then in the, the El Carnaval sequence, they're dancing with each other. If you missed it, I get it. Apparently it wasn't in the script. The characters just decided to play them gay. Okay. The actors thought that'd be interesting. And they left some of it in the movie, which I, I it's not that big a deal, but... Yeah, I... I, I definitely got vibes. They explicitly kiss it. You know, I appreciate it as a bisexual man. I appreciate it even if it's bullshit. So here's the fucking funny thing. This is the funniest goddamn shit I've ever heard in my life. You brought up West Side Story earlier, Rain. Yeah. These movies were filmed at the same time a few blocks apart. 
There's a shot in the movie where the catering truck for West Side Story is seen. West Side Story's catering truck is in this movie. <laughs> At some point, like, yeah, that's what John M. Chu claimed. Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, fun fact, did uh, the Spanish translations for the 2009 revival of West Side Story, he snuck off the In the Heights set to go see West Side Story filming the Maria sequence. Isn't that hilarious that these two musicals were filmed basically right fucking next to each other? That's funny. It is. It's going to be really great if West Side Story ends up just being being a shit bomb. Because <laughs> I, like, I don't. This really good musical being filmed alongside this revival that didn't end up being what people wanted or needed. That is the that would be that would be fucking poetry in motion. So. God, I feel like there's so much more I want to say, but I know I have to shut the fuck up eventually. But anyway, departing thoughts on In the Heights, which again, my favorite movie of the year. It's going to be hard for another movie to beat it. This is the movie of the summer, the movie of the year. Rain, any departing thoughts you want to leave us with? Uh, Great fun movie. Um, A little long. That's like the one problem I really have with it, I'd say. Um, that's about it. See it, probably. Uh, Tim, any departing thoughts? Hey, something I realized I forgot to mention while I was uh, talking about my experience. Uh, it was it was interesting seeing this movie at this particular time in this year because if if you're in America or probably just the world in general, it's hot as fuck right now. So them just having this escalating heat that leads to this blackout, like that was that was very real, particularly on that day when I had been out in the sun for seven fucking hours. It was it, it was very surreal just going out in that heat into this movie about the heat continuing to escalate into this blackout. So I think it's an interesting time for this movie to be coming out. And yeah, I mean, it, like I had said before, it was going in not something I really had much expectations for because it's kind of outside of what I typically watch. But it had some good character stuff in it, and it was competently made. It was like even as someone who doesn't really like musicals, I could appreciate the value in it. Um, yeah. All right, Austin. Any departing thoughts? I think if you're holding this to old standards of movie musicals, like you would want to grow up doing if you were born in 1980, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, he completely succeeded. If this was like an old movie musical, it's just like an imitation of one of the craft classics, which is just so mind blowing that they achieved that height together. Um, absolutely thrilling. Uh, but I'm waiting for the day he becomes what the write-ups about Lin-Manuel Miranda say. Just because he uses hip hop for his songs doesn't mean he's achieved new heights in musicals. But I believe that he can and this was a lot better than Hamilton I had a much better time with it I'm just I just can't wait to watch this guy grow over the years I can't believe it but I think I'm ready to say I like this more than Hamilton and I got to see Hamilton the way you're supposed to fucking see Hamilton in the stage and honestly it's just because it has less baggage (laughs) it has slightly less baggage um really though I love, 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 it's my favorite movie of the year. I fucking love In the Heights. Please go see it on the biggest fucking screen possible. 
is this just playing in like Dolby Cinema IMAX 4D suck your dick go watch it in that viewing alright you will not fucking regret it I love this movie and I love you the faithful listeners and watchers if you are listening to this podcast on any of the audio platforms you're on thank you very much for listening make sure you leave a review because that helps us boost the algorithm and if you are watching this podcast please go out and leave it in the comments below do you want us to cover Hamilton what do you think of Emmanuel Miranda's previous work what do you think of In the Heights comment below let me know and while you're down there please go ahead and hit that like button so we know how much you like us hit that subscribe button so we know how much you love us and then go ahead and hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos thank you very much for watching and I will see you guys next time